This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, later on today at the Vancouver Art Gallery or outside of the Vancouver Art Gallery, there is going to be the Red Umbrella March. And this is the fifth annual Red Umbrella March. It's taking part on the Robson side of the gallery. And joining us to talk a bit more about this and why it's important to have this march is Brenda Bellack, Pivot Legal Society lawyer, also a sex, ca- a sex work campaigner. Brenda, great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, what is going to be happening uh, later today? Uh, every year, uh, for the last five years, we've had this march, and it's an opportunity for sex workers to get together with allies, their families, and their friends, and um, stand out and be visible and call for reform of um, our criminal laws in Canada. And the reason that that's so important is that the laws have mostly made sex workers invisible. They've driven sex workers from the public view, so this is a really... Um, public way of standing up and saying uh, laws need to change and you need to recognize that we're parts of your community as well. And what is the significance of the red umbrella? The red umbrella is a symbol that was um, adopted, uh, and I'm going to forget the actual date, but um, in Italy um, after a, a public art show that was dealing with sex work. And it's a symbol of um, solidarity and um, protection, the protection of human rights for sex workers. Uh, and so bring us up to speed because there have been uh, consultations or there have been changes to the laws in Canada. Uh, as they stand now, wh- where, where, where do we stand as far as the legalities around sex work? So prior to 2013, sex work was not illegal, but most of the ways that uh, you could do it that made it safer were illegal. <clears throat> in uh, 2013, we had a decision by the Supreme Court of Canada that struck down the laws that um, prohibited having a body house, living on the avails um, of prostitution, and communicating in public. And in 2014, the um, Conservative government enacted new laws. The reason the old laws were struck down is that they put sex workers' um, health and safety and human rights at risk, and they were in violation of Section 7 of the Charter. The new laws um, do most of the same things. But what they also do is that rather than simply targeting street-based sex workers, they put uh, sex workers who are working independently, who are working in commercial businesses like massage parlors, for example, and who are trying to work together with others at risk because the police have begun um, aggressively investigating sex workers in those situations. So uh, our current laws are um, unconstitutional, in our opinion, and what we're calling for is decriminalization. And what kind of a response have you received so far? So the federal government um, has been in talks with sex workers and with um, allies like us over the last two years. And on May 24th, we had the first of what we've been told will be a number of roundtables across the country looking at sex work law reform. 22 people, primarily sex workers, but also allies and, and academics, sat down with members of the Department of Justice and really talked about what the impacts of the laws were on sex workers. And we're hoping that um, eventually this is going to result in real changes. And when you talk about decriminalization, would it take it to the point then that it becomes uh, becomes a business where people involved in sex work uh, are registered, pay taxes, and it becomes uh, a work a workplace just like any other? Uh, essentially, yes. Um, there are decriminalization models and legalization models, and legalization involves more regulation and often is often sorry often is also 
uh, quite oppressive and quite, um, in terms of sex workers' rights, it's not the model that we advocate for. Under a decrim model, um, sex workers can open their own businesses. Yes, they can pay taxes just like everybody else because what they're doing is not illegal. Um, and there can still be uh, municipal regulations that dictate where and how sex work takes place, but it's not a criminal act. Right. So, so how is legalizing more, um, uh, more restrictive or more oppressive than decriminalizing? Um, legalization often involves things like registration or mandatory testing, uh, and there are always sex workers who, for various reasons, um, can't uh, comply with those kinds of regulations. And what tends to happen is a two-tiered system where you have people who are working legally and then people who are working illegally, and in doing so, into, uh, experiencing all the same risks that they do under a criminalized system. Uh, don't we currently, though, have a two-tiered system in that we have people that are working indoors and people who are still working outdoors and perhaps in more dangerous situations? Uh, we have people who work in a diverse set of circumstances and people who themselves represent a lot of diversity within society. I think that it would be inaccurate to call it a two-tiered system because there is just so much variation. Um, and under our current laws, um, even working indoors, if you're doing it in a commercial establishment, is illegal. So um, it, we have a very complicated criminal regime right now, and it's difficult to uh, uh, break down into a few um, really simple um, steps, but uh, it would be inaccurate to just call it a two-tiered regime. Uh, are there is there a system in place in other countries or in another country that is what what is the what you would aspire to or that we would like to you would like to see in Canada? Sure, New Zealand has a system like that. New Zealand decriminalized in two thousand and three, and what they found since then is that sex workers have much better um, relationships with police. Uh, they feel um, much more. Um, trust that when they do have a problem, police are actually going to help them and that they're going to be able to report crimes. Um, and there hasn't been any uh, real increase in sex work uh, or the number of people doing sex work uh, since the law was brought in. And, and how does it deal with, we constantly, well, not constantly, but we do hear from people in various neighborhoods saying, we don't want this on our street. We don't want to look out the window and, and see sex workers. We don't want, to, it's not something that is welcome in a community. How do you work with communities where there is that attitude? Uh, I think the first thing you have to do is create a safe space for dialogue where people aren't being stigmatized and targeted. Um, I think there also has to be recognition that a lot of things that people uh, don't like about supposedly about sex work are actually things that they don't like about poverty. Uh, and if it's visible poverty that is a problem in your community, then you should be dealing with the roots of poverty and not um, demonizing sex workers. Um, there, there seems to be uh, the the connection as well, though, between in some cases sex work and drug use, and people they they often go hand in hand. When if someone is complaining about a neighborhood, saying um, there are there are used condoms, there's there's prostitution, there's drug use, then there's discarded needles. It does seem to to often be put in the same category. It is often put in the same category, and again, I think that's because we stigmatize drug users and we stigmatize people who are poor and who don't have. Um, alternate sources of income, um, again, that's, that's not a solution to the problems that um, people are seeing. And so, you know, there are lots of uh, needle users in our city. Not all of them are sex workers, but also 
if you're going to target um, drug use as something that's, that you don't want in your community or that you don't want to be visible in your community, you have to actually, you know, uh, make uh, needle bins available, make uh, heroin-assisted treatment available, deal with um, what is actually causing that and, and not conflate things that don't necessarily correlate with each other. Um, how confident are you that the consultations and what's happening now will lead to changes in the law? Um, I am reasonably confident because we've been assured by the minister that she does want to see, and I'm talking about Judy Wilson-Raybould, the Minister of Justice, that she does want to see change. I'm worried that it will be a slow process, and that's frustrating because sex workers got a decision from the Supreme Court of Canada in 2013, and they've really been waiting for the government to move forward um, to a more... Uh, appropriate system for a long time. And uh, this afternoon, uh, the the Red Umbrella March that take is taking place. Uh, you mentioned the fifth annual. Uh, how big do you expect it will be today? I honestly don't know. It varies a lot of the time because of the weather, but um, could be a uh, hundred or two hundred people. Um, it's that's that's what we're expecting, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, Brenda Ballack, thank you so much for taking some time this morning. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for allowing me. All right. Thank you so much. That is uh, Brenda Bellack. She is a lawyer with the Pivot Legal Society, a sex work uh, campaigner uh, as well. And as we mentioned, uh, the Red Umbrella March is going to be taking place this afternoon. That happens at 2.30 this afternoon outside of the Vancouver Art Gallery. That will be on the Robson Street side. So if you see a crowd with a lot of red umbrellas, uh, now you know why those uh, red umbrellas are out and uh, about today. And just uh, a little note on that. Uh, Brenda Bellick mentioned this as well. The red umbrella was first used by sex workers and allies in Venice in 2001. And that was the so-called First World Congress of Sex Workers. It was an art installation uh, by some artists that was uh, placed in the Venice uh, Biennale. And that was in June of 2001. And since then, it has led to organized marches in many different cities around the world and in Vancouver this afternoon. Again, that will be the fifth annual Red Umbrella March. Just a reminder, if you want to reach the program, if there's anything on your mind this morning, you can give us a call on the buzz line 604-331-BUZZ. That is 604-331-2899. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.